Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Every town has a dark side. Australian-American Christopher Wilder enjoyed the finer things in life and had no trouble attracting beautiful young women with his luxurious car, speedboat, and a love for fine dining. But behind all the flashiness he portrayed, there was, of course, a much darker side of this guy, which is why he's featured on our podcast today. See, Chris had a compulsion, and it was the worst kind possible, as he couldn't stop killing beautiful women. And he had painted himself as super successful in order to lure them in so he could quench his perverted sexual desires and fantasies Hence, Mr. Wilder became known as the Beauty Queen Killer. From February to April of 1984, he figured in a frenzied killing spree of ladies, 
crisscrossing Australia and America with the cliched promise of fame and fortune to these wannabe models. Some took his bait, but others were taken by force. Welcome to this week's episode of Everytown, guys. I'm Ada Fitzgerald, and today we put the spotlight on Christopher, a serial killer originally from Down Under, whose exploits landed him on the FBI's most wanted list. Christopher Wilder was the oldest child born to an American naval officer and an Australian mother in Sydney, New South Wales. As a child, there have been instances when his life was in danger, like when he nearly died at birth for being sickly. He once almost drowned in a swimming pool. And he also fainted after a fit of convulsions. During his teens, Christopher burdened his family with a different set of problems, though. At 17, he and a group of friends were charged with gang-raping a 13-year-old girl on a Sydney beach. While his two companions denied involvement in the assault, Christopher pleaded guilty for the offense and received a year of probation with counseling and electroshock therapy. There were claims that being subjected to electroshock therapy aggravated Christopher's violent sexual tendencies and apparently fueled his fantasies of having sex with women and electrocuting them during the process. When he was 23 years old in 1968, Christopher then married Christine Paluch, whom he had met the year before on Sydney's Palm Beach. But she quickly left him after discovering his dark sexual tendencies and finding panties and nude photos of a naked woman in a briefcase in his car. Christine claimed that she was sexually abused by Christopher and that he also threatened to kill her. Then in November of 1969, he used nude photographs to extort sex from an Australian student nurse. She complained to police, but charges were ultimately dropped when she refused to testify in court. Australia was becoming a hot spot for Christopher, so much so that in 1969, in order to avoid more charges, he decided to emigrate to Boynton Beach, Florida, where he found luck in construction work and a real estate business. He amassed some money, And that enabled him to acquire an upscale house, some fancy cars, even a race car, as well as a luxurious speedboat. He also developed an interest in photography and invested in high-end cameras, which soon became his prop and his modus operandi, posing as a professional photographer while enticing young, beautiful women to pose for him. But Christopher had his ultimate sickening motive, of course. A 
Mr. Wilder spent his time prowling South Florida beaches to solicit women, but he was unlucky in 1971 when he was arrested on Pompano Beach for demanding that two young women pose nude for him. He entered a guilty plea and escaped with a small fine. A few years later, the Australian immigrant was again arrested when he coerced a high school student into giving him oral sex while she was on drugs in a house that was under renovations. In court, Christopher revealed his fantasy of masturbating to the image of a girl being raped in answer to the judge's question of whether he was sane enough to stand trial or not. During the resulting trial, a doctor and a psychiatrist evaluated him and recommended supervised treatment. Other than that, Christopher was acquitted, but his sexual offenses continued. In January of 1980, he pretended to be a photographer named David Pierce, and he lured a teenage girl outside a Florida mall with the promise of a modeling job. He drugged her, and then Christopher drove her into a rural area where he raped her in his truck. The girl reported him to the police, but because of a plea bargain, the charges were brought down to probation with therapy. Christopher saw a sex therapist who believed that over time he would make progress during their sessions, but what happened was the opposite, and even much worse. In December of 82, Christopher visited his parents in Australia and his actions became sordid. He abducted two 15-year-old girls on a beach, tied them up, and forced them to pose nude for his pleasure. He was traced, though, through the license plate number of his rented car, arrested later that month, and charged for kidnapping and indecent assault. But his family posted a $350,000 bail, so he was let out. Due to the court being backed up, his trial suffered from delays, so his case was never heard. And then he was allowed to return to the U.S. When he got back to Florida, Christopher embarked on a seven-week-long cross-country trip during which he murdered at least eight women, starting on February 26, 1984. The first fatality attributed to Mr. Wilder was Rosario Gonzalez, who was employed as a spokesmodel at the Miami Grand Prix, in which Christopher was a participant. She was last seen leaving the track with Christopher. Then on March 5th, Christopher's former girlfriend and Miss Florida finalist, as well as current high school teacher Elizabeth Kenyon, was officially reported missing. Now, the day before, She met up with her parents hours before she vanished, and they noticed the bruises on the arms and legs of Elizabeth, who said she had stopped a fight at school. Christopher became one of the three suspects, but he was let go after claiming they hadn't seen each other for over a month. 
The two gas station attendants forwarded descriptions to authorities that sounded exactly like Christopher Wilder. Those attendants also explained that Miss Kenyon and the man were planning a photo shoot in which she would be the model. Authorities later classified Christopher as a main suspect in Miss Kenyon's disappearance due to his lengthy rap sheet of sexual offenses. Later, they made a link between her disappearance and that of 20-year-old Rosario Gonzalez, who shared similar physical and professional traits with Elizabeth. Sadly, though, neither of the two women's remains have ever been found. Not satisfied with the efforts of the police, Mr. and Mrs. Kenyon hired a detective to interview Christopher, who turned it down and kept denying that he had seen Elizabeth. On his 39th birthday on March 13th, Christopher read in the papers that he was suspected in the disappearance of Elizabeth and Rosario, and so he fled to Merritt Island, two hours north of Boynton. But still... That didn't stop him from committing more heinous acts against women. On March 19th, 21-year-old Terry Ferguson became Mr. Wilder's next victim when he snatched her from a Merritt Square shopping mall in Satellite Beach, Florida. She'd been strangled and beaten so badly that she had to be identified through her dental records. Her body was discovered after five days in a snake-infested canal called Canaveral Groves. The fourth casualty in Christopher's roster of female victims was 19-year-old Linda Grover, whom he saw and took from Governor's Square Mall near Florida State University in Tallahassee just two days after killing Terry. When Linda refused to be photographed for a modeling agency, he assaulted her in the mall parking lot. As a consequence, the young girl got hand-tied, wrapped in a blanket, kept in the car's trunk, then brought to the Glen Oaks Motel in Bainbridge, Georgia, where she was raped and violently abused. Her eyes were blinded by super glue and a blow dryer. Then to her feet, he applied copper wires for electric currents to pass through them, and she was beaten when she attempted to run away. After that, Linda locked herself in the bathroom, shouted at the top of her lungs, so Christopher fled away in his car. The next day, Mr. Killingspree, Lord, 23-year-old wife, mother, and Lamar University nursing student in Beaumont, Texas, to try out as a model. Terry Walden turned down Christopher's offer, but they met again two days later, and that was when he kidnapped her. She was stabbed 43 times to death in her chest and then dumped in a canal. On March 26, Mrs. Walden's remains were found while Mr. Wilder had run off taking her 1981 Mercury Cougar. 
Authorities in Texas found Wilder's abandoned car during the search for Terry. They discovered hair samples there belonging to Teresa Ferguson, which confirmed that Christopher was responsible for her death as well. Like a vampire lusting for blood from its prey, Christopher continued to attack more women to satisfy his carnal desires. He preyed on 21-year-old Suzanne Logan and, with precise timing, abducted her at the Penn Square Mall in Oklahoma City. They ended up in Newton, Kansas, where they rented a room at an inn. And he executed his plan of raping and torturing Suzanne. He then shaved her head and pubic hair. The next morning, the beastly sicko then drove 90 miles northeast to Junction City, Kansas, where he stabbed Miss Logan to death and dumped her body in the nearby Milford Reservoir. She was discovered on the same day Terry Walden was also found on March 26th. As if those deaths weren't enough, Christopher kept adding to the number as if he had a deadline to beat. On March 29th, 18-year-old Cheryl Bonaventura became Christopher's captive at the Grand Junction shopping mall in Colorado. People had seen them together several times, once on March 30th at the Four Corners Monument, and another while dining in at Silverton, where they told the staff they were married and on their way to Las Vegas. They checked into a motel in Page, Arizona, where Christopher ended Cheryl's life by stabbing and shooting her on March 31st near the Kanab River in Utah. Cheryl's body was found three days later on April 3rd. even before police could identify Mr. Wilder's most recent victim. He had already set his sights on another young, aspiring model he met in Las Vegas while attending a fashion show for Seventeen Magazine at Meadows Mall. The girl's mother took a picture. Captured in the background was Christopher leering at the girls clad in miniskirts. He didn't let the opportunity pass, and at the end of the show, the beauty queen killer approached 17-year-old Michelle Korfman, and they left together. That was the last time Miss Korfman was seen, and it wasn't until May 11th that her body was discovered at a Southern California roadside rest stop and identified through dental x-rays in June. Now linked with three murders, one kidnapping, and four disappearances, Christopher Wilder was described by FBI spokesmen as a significant danger. His name was then added to the Bureau's 10 Most Wanted list on April 3, 1984. On April 4th, a 16-year-old girl named Tina Rosico from Torrance, California was also abducted by Christopher, raped, and assaulted in El Centro. 
Strangely, though, he decided not to take the girl's life, believing that she could become his accomplice. Sure enough, a fearful Tina helped Christopher abduct teenage girls and women who all fell into his prototype, gorgeous and model-esque. They then worked their way eastward through Prescott, Arizona, Joplin, Missouri, and Chicago, Illinois. Six days later, Tina helped in kidnapping 16-year-old Donette Wilt in a shopping mall in Merrillville, Indiana. Christopher raped and tortured her through the course of the day and into the next. Worst of all, he tried to stab her to death on April 12th. He left her for dead outside Rochester, New York, but Donette managed to survive and dragged herself to the nearest highway where a passing motorist discovered her and brought her to a hospital in Penyan. Wanted to make sure that Donette was dead, Christopher went back to the spot where he left her, but was astonished to find that she had fled. Christopher's final victim was a woman named Beth Dodge, who he abducted near Victor, New York, on April 12th. He shot her to death and left her in a gravel pit. Following that murder, he drove his teenage captive, come accomplice, to Boston's Logan Airport, purchasing a one-way ticket to Los Angeles and seeing her off at the gate. The sudden attack of compassion remains unexplained, but he wasted no time in searching out another victim. The next day, on April 13th, he pointed his gun at a woman in Beverly, Massachusetts, whose car had broken down, but she managed to escape. Continuing his aimless hunt, Christopher stopped for gas that afternoon in Colebrook, New Hampshire, unaware that he had reached the end of his run. He attracted the attention of two state troopers who pulled him over and approached him, to which he dove into his car, perhaps for his revolver. The troopers tackled him, and Christopher was able to get his revolver, though, in time and fired two shots. The first one wounded Trooper Leo Jesselson, who had jumped onto Christopher's back while he reached for the gun. It lodged in his liver, but luckily he survived. And the other bullet mistakenly fatally hit Mr. Wilder's heart, which ended his 26-day-long killing spree in Manhunt. After his death, Christopher had been suspected in numerous murders and disappearances of other women, including those whose remains were found in the Florida area where he stalked women while posing as a photographer. Alas, he didn't live to have his day in court and bring justice to the women he unceremoniously murdered or abducted. He had a long history of sex crimes and... Had he not been caught in a crossfire with authorities, chances are Christopher would still be crossing state lines and leaving behind his notorious mark 
as the beauty queen killer. So that's going to do it, guys, for this week's episode of Every Town. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, come back next week for another episode filled with scary, strange, and mysterious stories. Because who knows? Maybe your town will be next. Next.